hadn't been spotted, like a herd of oblong-eyed goats, or a palisade of dead grass, or an enfilade of street lamps, we were there. We old women, waiting for something to happen. And if there are drifts of old women blowing across the fields of the living, why be surprised that the same is true of the afterlife? You look at the cityscape and see us tottering about in our insupportable hosiery. Look again and realize that while many of us are clinging on to the ledge of life, many more have let go already. As the living grow older, a sterile wad of humanity blocking up the generative drain, so we, the dead, accumulate like pennies on the ledges of a cascade game. When the young die, they're full of beans. Life hasn't exhausted them. Why should death? Anyway, there are always vacancies in the provinces or even abroad for the morbidly mobile. Many young and middle-aged British dead work in the Gulf, the States, or even fucking Germany. But dead old women, who wants us? In death as in life, we are the pavement strollers, the window shoppers, the bored, bunion-hobbled boulevardiers. We're there waiting for something, anything, to happen. So we can be photographed or filmed or videoed, a backcloth of hysterectomies in front of which events can be played out again, yet never exhausted. History is never in the round. It's always on a stage. And while the curtain may be deaf, why is it then that so many scrutinizing eyes stud the proscenium, peering into the dimness of the stalls? Are they tragic or comedic masks, or not masks at all? Earlier this evening, if this still is evening, we've waited so bloody long, I, Lily Bloom, picked my way down Old Compton Street. Yet another dead old woman patrolling the West End on a misconceived mission. My lithopedian scampered between my ankles. My rude boy was prancing in the road. Ahead of us, the snake-hipped figure of Farlap Jones moved in and out of the gay throng. He may be old, but he's black. He's slim, and, of course, he's a Karaji. A mekigar, a wizard, full of buginya power, possessed of miwi magic. With his finely corrugated matte skin and his thriving restaurant business, he might, it often occurred to me, be the ultimate leather queen. When I was alive, I made it my business to zero in on my fellow biddies. Given a street scene like this, full of young people hurling themselves into the puppetry of lust, tying rubbery abandonment to their ankles and wrists before bungee jumping into orgasm, I'd have been taken by the tweed wearers, the bearers of the capacious gusset, and the porters of the nylon bag. The Granny Guild. 
I'd strike up conversations with these widows, spinsters, and bints. I suppose I saw myself as a kind of reporter, researching a long article on the world, which turned out to be a profile of myself. I'd interview these old women, interrogate them as to who they were, what they were doing, where they were going, why they fucking bothered, and when they'd given up. Later, I'd write their replies down in a notebook. One. A Mrs. Green, the widow of a minor civil servant. She lives in Hornsey and the house she owned with her husband, in a basement flat knocked out by the son and daughter-in-law who cannot wait to inherit. Two. She's going to the Old Bailey to sit in the public gallery. It's good, cheap.